0: It was a pursuit with the highway patrol. Uh, the suspect had taken his 17-month-old son hostage.
1: Party on drugs. He had taken the days ago and has not returned. And he the child before the baby It yeah. went
0: for about 30 hours. A very extended hostage rescue problem.
1: Hey, are Shooting at a shooting at officers.
2: Down, is at the base of the stairs white t-shirt white male all right welcome back everyone to another episode of the shots fired podcast we are in Nashville Tennessee at the Tac Ops tactical conference and we have Rich Diliberti from the LA County SWAT team with us Rich welcome
0: thank you very much glad to be here
1: hey
2: Rich um well so for anybody
1: that's watching on YouTube that didn't watch any of the prior episodes while we we're here in Nashville we are in a makeshift studio obviously we're not in our normal studio um we didn't like prep anybody that we were going to be bringing them up to a room. So
2: if we weirded you out by, by any means, uh, we apologize, but you didn't we seem weirded out at, at all. We're just like, we're, we're going to actually take you up to our room. And you're like, okay. When you just got right in the elevator.
0: Yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. If <laughs> this is, if this is what they give you, then you got to work with what you have. <laughs> yeah.
1: And yes, those are marks, a uh, pair of underwear on the bed. Yeah. That's, sorry. That's, I thought I covered that. Yeah. Just <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just
0: going to look away. I'm going to look at you guys the whole time. Yeah. Okay. No,
1: you're good. All right. So, hey, um, I know you're pressed on time a little bit. You're teaching some classes here. Yes. Uh, let's, let's jump into that. So you're with the LA County SWAT, uh, SWAT team. We had George Creamer on the show before. Shout out to George. Um, you guys work for the same company, training cops and traveling and doing all that. So we're, we're going to jump into that. Give everybody a little bit about your bio, when you started, and then some of the things that you've done uh, in your career and then how you landed on the SWAT team.
0: Okay. Uh, George and I are business partners. Uh, George started the company quite a few years before I got on board. I taught for him, uh, and then eventually he asked if I wanted to go in and be business partners with him. Which uh, is Integrated Tactical Concepts. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I agreed. <clears throat> we took a lot of the classes that George had already created, and a lot of it is based on the curriculum from LA County Sheriff SWAT team, which is where we both work. Uh, we took those. Uh, we took that curriculum, we went and got it uh, California Post-approved, which opened up a lot more business for us, uh, and we take those classes all over California because they're obviously post approved they're yep. in pretty high demand and we will do training anywhere in the country um as far as the my background i've been with the sheriffs department for 32 years uh started out like everybody else in the jails you start to kind of develop your interview style and dealing with i guess the the criminal element so yeah. to speak mm-hmm. And then from the jail, I worked out in patrol, same patrol station as George. He was a little bit ahead of me in seniority, but I worked with George uh, at the Lennox Sheriff Station in South Los Angeles for about eight and a half years. After about 13 or 14 years of working the jail and working patrol, I started testing for our SWAT team, which is a full-time team, a very busy team. It took a few tries. It's not a, you just try out one time and you get on. Yeah. Uh, They want to make sure that they're getting the right people. Tested there for a few times, finally got picked up in 2006. And I have worked there from 2006 up until now. In 2018, I made the decision to go uh, through paramedic school. Part of our uh, profile with LA County is very unique. We take... Uh, SWAT operators, full-time SWAT operators, and we send them through medical training. And then once they're done with all of their medical training, and there's other things that go along with that, which we can get into later, but paramedic EMT school, pre-paramedic school, paramedic school. Once you're done with all of that, you're a nationally registered paramedic. You go through LA County protocols for their EMS, and then you get brought back onto the team. And then you're a full time SWAT team officer with an additional responsibility where you're the tactical paramedic operationally for anything that we do anywhere we go.
2: And you're you're a paramedic right now. Correct. That's impressive because that's a that's a the that's, that's a lengthy no process to go through. I mean, that's a commitment. Yeah. Yes, EMT is a commitment, and then becoming a paramedic is even more of a commitment.
0: From the time that we make the decision to become a paramedic for the SWAT team you are removed from all call-out responsibility. Um, L.A. County SWAT team probably averages about 250-ish calls a year, depending on the frequency, but that's a pretty good average. There's no way you can go through paramedic school and be dealing with a a call-out every other day. Yeah, Impossible. Yeah. So they remove you from all SWAT team responsibility, and then you start the uh, training spin-up. You go EMT school, pre-paramedic school, paramedic school. And then from there, there's other responsibilities that we have. We're all rescue recovery scuba divers. We have to go through mountaineering school because we deal with the Angeles National Forest and we do a bunch of helicopter rescues. So when the paramedics, when the tactical paramedics for the SWAT team are not operational with the team on a deployment. We're doing helicopter rescues in the Angeles National Forest along with LA County Fire Air Operations. They yeah. also, they have water dropping helicopters and paramedics also. So we sort of split the area up there and yeah. the closest helicopter gets the call.
1: Yeah, we follow your guys' Instagram page, the LA, uh, what is it? LA page. I mean, you guys look busy from that standpoint of doing rescues and helicopter rescues and stuff. I mean, and that's, is that like what you're doing or?
0: Yes. So probably between the 300-ish call-outs that we have to deploy with with the team, we are doing about six or 700 helicopter rescues per year. That's fucking crazy. And in the summertime, it's, it's, it gets going pretty good. A lot of motorcycle crashes, vehicles over the sides of the cliffs. Um, you get uh, hikers that get lost. They end up just trying to climb their way out and they get what they call cliffed out. They're just stuck. They can't go up. They can't go down. They're just stuck there. And then we get a call to figure out how to get them out of there. And I think the, the helicopter actually really lends itself to being a tactical medic because it's medicine in a place where you're just not normally used to doing it. It's not the back of an ambulance. It's not well lit. You don't have 15 people as a support system. Mm -hmm. You're on the side of a mountain by yourself working out of a backpack. So it's, that's where we get all of our patient contacts is the helicopter. And then when we go operational with the team, everybody's pretty, um, they're pretty good at the type of skills that they need in order to, you know, provide that medical support for the for the
1: SWAT guys. Well, I was real quick. I was always curious like so generally speaking if you get a I don't know, like let's just say a motorcycle over the edge of a roadway. I've seen you guys on Instagram yeah. doing a lot of those. Normally, a fire department would roll out there and you would get like, I don't know, Calstar or some type of medical helicopter that would end up landing after the fire guys get there, which I know those guys are still responding. Right. How do you guys get involved in you guys as the SWAT guys?
0: So, we are th- this is where I think our system is our, our platform is very unique. What most people don't, I think, know is that the LA County Sheriff's Emergency Services Detail, which is where I work, we're a 911 provider through LA County fire. So we get dispatched just like firemen do, hmm. but we're sheriffs.
1: Interesting. But we
0: have a full ALS capable helicopter. And whenever there's a, just to give you an example of like how it would work, We have a rescue base where we go, and LA County Fire has rescue bases where they go. And it's all spread out within the entire Angeles National Forest and the high desert area of Lancaster. And then out to like Malibu, Mm -hmm. because those are all mountainy canyon area also. A call comes in that requires a helicopter. It goes through LA County Fire Dispatch, Mm -hmm. and that dispatcher looks on the screen and knows where all those helicopters are because they track us. Mm The closest helicopter gets the call. So we get dispatched just like everybody else does when we're working in the helicopter rescue capacity.
2: So who, who's on your helicopter? Is it just SWAT only? Is it like who, who is on your crew? So uh,
0: the, the helicopter is Air Rescue 5, and it's because the crew is five people. So the two pilots, it's piloted by two people. The two pilots are full-time deputies, mm-hmm. but they're not SWAT officers. Yeah. They are full-time helicopter pilots. They came up through the jail, through patrol. Instead of going to the SWAT team, they decided they want to fly helicopters. Yeah,
1: they went to the so they go, they go
0: to Aero Bureau. They yeah. become an observer. Then they become a pilot for uh, the patrol helicopter, which is much smaller. And then once you've done enough time in the patrol helicopter, if you're asked or if you're interested to, you can move up to the next platform, which is the Super Puma, which is what we fly. That is two uh, two two pilots, a crew chief who operates the hoist and basically runs the helicopter. He's working in the door. Mm-hmm. And then medic one and medic two. So five people. Hmm. Interesting. So that's essentially, and then we'll have people that'll come out on ride-alongs. We have doctors that come out. as part of their clinicals. Uh, we have a lot of times we have... Uh, we have like a working relationship with some of the SEAL team guys on the West Coast. The Air Force PJs will come out and ride with us for sometimes a month or more because they're going to get ready to deploy. They want to get some patient contacts. We're the closest thing, quite honestly, to yeah, like special operations yeah. without being in the military. Yeah. So they come out to us. They attach, they attach themselves to our team for a month. They go to all the callouts. they do all the helicopter rescues, they kind of get all the kind of knock
1: the rust off of everything, and then they deploy. Wow. Wow. So if you're a medic on the team, you're fucking busy. You're busy. You're doing more than the average guy. Yes.
0: And the other responsibilities that we have, which some of the SWAT guys have the same responsibility, is we have an entire maritime cadre. We have a bunch of inflatables that we used for, uh, for you know, being out on the water. We have uh, dive boats, like rescue recovery dive boats. We're all scuba divers, so we have to do any uh, plane recovery or boat recovery or body recovery. Um, so, in addition to the callouts that we go <laughs> on with the SWAT team, in addition to the helicopter rescues, anything water related, we're going to be going out on that too. And anytime anybody from SEB deploys, there's a medic with you. So we have to go with everybody, whether you're the hazmat side, uh, the arson side, we don't usually go with them if it's just a fire investigation, but if it's any sort of like bomb threat or something that like a render safe type of thing, we have to go with them. We're the we're the medics.
2: How many medics are on your team and how many members?
0: At full strength, there are, it's just like the fire department, A shift, B shift, and C shift. Um, At full strength, we have six and a sergeant on each shift. Hmm. Very rarely are we operating that way. Uh, We are probably the oldest guys at SEB because you don't make the move to this job until you've gotten a lot of experience on the SWAT side. So- if you were to use my career path as an example, I didn't even get to SEB till I was on for about 15 years. I spent about eight or nine years on the SWAT side. I'm now 25 years into my 35-year career. Yeah. Then I have to decide to go. Well, when I go, it takes me two years to do all the training. Now I'm 27, 28 years in, and now I can start working.
2: I find that so interesting because I know there's departments and one I kind of came from people use SWAT is like a platform to promote, but it seems like your aspect is like you want to get there and then that's your career path. Yes. And then there's a lot of stuff to do within that.
1: Yes.
0: I think yeah. there, there are, there, there are guys that promote out uh, more from the SWAT side, very rarely from the paramedic side. What we, I guess the easiest way to describe it is we're all, we're all deputies, except for obviously the sergeants. So everybody at ESD is a deputy. But because we go through scuba diving school, paramedic school, we're getting enhancements for our skill set, like pay enhancements for our skill set. So if you're wanting to promote for the purposes of pensionable income or making more money, why, why, why would, would you? Yeah. <laughs> you? Why would you? Yeah. You don't need to. Like you can just add to your skill set and you'll get compensated for that. Mm. You still have a really cool job and you're making pretty good money doing it. Yeah. Uh, there are guys that do promote out. A lot of guys that promote out, I think they're planning to continue to promote. Yeah. Very rarely are you going to get a guy that's a deputy at SEB that I'm just going to promote and be a sergeant and I'm going to stop there. If they're leaving. They're leaving because their plan is to continue to promote up. And it's very likely that they're going to end up coming back as a supervisor because who better to supervise a SWAT team than a guy that was on the
1: SWAT team. Yeah, for sure. So, well, so you guys are here um, under integrated tactical concepts teaching at the conference. Uh, what classes are you teaching? So this morning we did a
0: hostage rescue class, which is always the, you know, it's the popular one. Yeah. Um, uh, we are doing this afternoon a command and control uh, lecture, and I talked to Larry, uh, who runs the TACOps Ops mm-hmm. Conference. I talked to Larry about it a couple of years ago when we decided to create it, and he said he was getting a lot of, uh, there was a lot of demand for a class that wasn't necessarily command and control from the sense of <clears throat> how do your supervisors control you, but more uh, when when a call out occurs, how do you deploy on that call out in an organized way? Yeah. Like it's a like pre-planned warrant service. There's a certain way that we approach those calls. They come in. We might have a few days to work it up and we're going to do that. Uh, a barricade is a, an unplanned event, but it's not anything that's really time sensitive. He's just a person barricaded in the house yeah. and we'll get him when we get him. Mm-hmm. Then there's hostage rescue. These things can start and end in a matter of minutes. So we developed a course that is what we use to take the 20, 30, 40 guys that are coming from different directions and how do we, how do we descend on this problem without it just being chaos, chaos basically. Yeah. Uh, and it's been pretty, pretty well-received. And we recognize that like a lot of our audience is part-time teams, so we take our full-time platform and we try to kind of marry it up with what a part-time team looks like.
1: Um, well, at the end of the day, I mean, part-time or, or not, like all of those resources are going to land at that same place regardless. Going to, so, same, same. Mm, line. I mean, really, I guess probably doesn't matter if you're a full-time team or not, like you're still going.
0: The biggest difference that we see <laughs> is if you're a part-time team and you're assigned to patrol, you're already out there. Like this call happens. Every yeah. call we go to at SEB, starts at the patrol level yeah well if you're a part-time team you're already in patrol mm-hmm. so you actually have a little bit of a leg up on us mm-hmm. we're coming from the outside of this coming in trying to gather information as we're responding but if you're a part-time team you're you, 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 half your team might already be there that's true they're just in patrol uniforms instead of their uh swats yeah but same problem it's so,
1: good we uh the class that we do we talk a lot about um we've both different agencies but neighboring so we've responded to major incidents together right Right. and showed up on calls together and a couple of calls that we've been on where several cops have been shot some were killed and we share a story of of going to a call like that which is a major catastrophe where multiple officers were shot and that call just completely chaotic no command control not it was just cops doing whatever they wanted to do right just that just over a hundred independent thinkers, which was not good. And then we've also been a part of, um, same circumstance, multiple officers shot, one was killed. And I swear that was probably the most organized event I've ever been on because there was command and control almost immediately. Yes. And you can seriously see the difference in how those scenes are managed. Just honestly, just from that night and day, the,
0: Geographically, the way Los Angeles County is set up, and obviously, SCB, we are a uh, we're a headquarters unit, so we're responsible for the whole county. There are twenty-seven or twenty-eight patrol stations that are just Los Angeles County patrol stations, and then there are contract cities, which I'm sure is the same for you. There's contract cities everywhere. Yeah, they're within the county, but they have their own yeah. police department. Yeah, they also have their own SWAT teams. They have their own patrol officers. Right. They have everything, but. If there's something that occurs, and it happens pretty often, and it's no fault of theirs, they're just not big with a lot of resources and manpower, they might default this call out to us. Well, now, to your point, we're trying to come into a contract city's call out where we have to develop comms with them. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get on radios with them. That's
1: always a huge to.
0: So now you have uh, the Highway Patrol, uh, L.A. County, the city of Downey. And SEB guys are all coming to the same call. They're all on different frequencies, but they're all on the same activation. That's a problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. And it's like, okay, how do we on the front end of this thing, like, let's, let's try to herd the cats here real quick. Let's, let's get this thing kind of buttoned up and then we'll move forward. Because if you try to just push that, Mm -hmm. it's just like this slippery slope of just problems going downhill.
1: Yeah. I always feel like there's like that need for a rush. Yeah, like you go to these calls and it, it might be a barricade, but it's it's not active, right? Like there's nothing that's like precedent that we need to go on right now. And people always kind of feel that need to rush. Yeah. And then when you have a problem, like not everybody's on the same radio channel, right? Something as minor as that causes a big fucking problem. When Johnny, that's on a different team with another officer, is doing something that you don't know, yeah, and then that information doesn't get relayed back, or vice versa. You know, maybe dispatch has information, but now he's over there. Doing something, whatever, and then now he's not getting pertinent information. Yeah, it's just a mess.
0: We've shown up on uh, vehicle barricades where you know shots fired, vehicle barricade, uh, vehicle barricades. We get there, and I have this, <clears throat> I have this one slide in a presentation, and it really tells everything. You have the suspect vehicle, you have the female driver who's surrendering because she's already been shot because this was a car to car gunfight on the freeway, and then you have uh, your uh, typical felony traffic stop. And if you look at the overhead, you can look at the rooftops and it identifies cars. What stations you come from, what agency you work at, and you can count the 10 or 12 cars that are stacked up behind the suspect vehicle. It's probably about four or five different agencies. There's some cars that are not even marked. They're slick cars.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, there's no one in them. Yeah. And you're like, well, wh- who's this? Yeah. And where is this person? Yeah. And it's just, okay, before we even worry about this problem, over here- yeah get this out of here yeah. and then, and then let's start working this problem. Cause I have no idea what's going on back here. And sometimes you have a lot of time to do that. Sometimes it has to be done like quick yeah. because the problem is just going. But that initial, it's like any radio call when you're working patrol, you get that shooting call that occurs. Everybody's coming. Mm-hmm. Traf- radio traffic is really <clears throat> like kind of jumping around and then eventually you kind of button it up and it's like, you now you got it. Yeah. Now you have control over it. It's the same thing. Like SWAT work is patrol. It's just patrol with cool more, people. Yeah, cool yeah. Toys, more people. Yeah, cool toys, more people, maybe a little more experience, more equipment. But ultimately,
2: we're just patrol.
0: Yeah. Everything starts
2: in patrol, with yeah. no your, matter what. With your company, do you travel around and you- provide this type of instruction or what are, what are classes that your company offers to others? So like for
0: Larry, I think it's a little bit more like logistically, it's easier for us to be able to just do kind of a classroom, more of like a presentation setting. Um, And we do incident debriefs. So when we're doing conferences, we try to, we've done actual classes and other conferences, but to answer your question, we have classes for all kinds of different stuff. Um, the post classes that we have, uh, the armored vehicle class that we have, which is post approved. It's the only post class in California for armored vehicle. Um, we have kind of a relationship a little bit with Lenco because SEB runs Lencos with, for, for everything. Um, so anytime somebody buys an armored truck, but they want to know how to use it, Lenco just sends them to us. Hey, call those guys. Nice. Um, Teradyne, who's also here. They saw what we were doing in California. They reached out to us. And they asked if we would be like, hey, are you guys, you know, loyal to anybody? And we're like, we, we're we a training provider. Like, yeah. whatever whatever truck shows up in the parking lot, we're going to show you how to use it. Yeah. We don't really care. Yeah. And it, everybody has different stuff. Mm-hmm. So we do an armored vehicle class, which is pretty popular. Um, we have uh, SWAT school updates. So like in California, post doesn't require, but they recommend uh, after you've gone through SWAT school. You should do about a an, an update every couple of years, and it could be anything within the curriculum of SWAT school. So we created a 16 hour and a 24 hour SWAT update class because that fits into most part time teams' training time. Yeah, <clears throat> and then just recently, although George was a George was the one that pushed it, and I was a little bit reluctant, but I I, I will say he was correct. I was wrong
1: want to say that again. Tell George. Yeah, Uh, he was
0: correct. I was wrong. (laughs) You heard that George. Um, We were asked to create an 80 hour SWAT school. So we
1: did. That's a huge undertaking. And
0: uh, it was not easy to do. We did it. We went back and forth with post. They worked really well with us. We got that class approved and we are now taking, basically we can take SWAT school to you. So what we've done is we have a relationship with Carlsbad down in San Diego, Oxnard, which is in Ventura County, San Luis Obispo up in the Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara area. We're with the sheriff's office and then all the way up to San Mateo, which is the Bay Area. So we're running a SWAT school at each location every year. So instead of having to send your guys with the travel cost, we bring the class to you. And then anybody local can go. can go to it, and the agencies don't have to incur travel cost. They just send their guys to the class, and they go home at the end of the day. It's like wow. a regular in-service training. It's obviously two weeks, but it's a post-approved class. It's been pretty popular. Um,
1: yeah, you guys look like you've been killing it. We those.
0: it's it's been getting uh, consistently busier. I think the big the big reason for that is our guys are still uh, full time instru- uh, full time SWAT operators, and they teach for us as well. And I think that's – some of the students, like we explain that to them, but they don't really get to see it until and inevitably it always happens, is somebody that is on the schedule to teach can't make it because they're on a call-out. And it's like, hey, uh, Rich Diliberti was supposed to be teaching this class for you, but uh, he's been on a call-out since last night, so I'm going to do it. And they're like, well, well, these guys are not – they're not messing around. And it's – I think that's a big – I think that's a big draw. I think a lot of agencies have – you know, guys that are there's nothing wrong with guys that are retired and teaching at all. Um, a lot of guys have a lot of experience, even though they're retired, they have a wealth of knowledge. Um, but I do think there is something to be said for the guys that are teaching you uh, are still doing this full time. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. And they have very current information.
1: Yep, so. Absolutely. For sure. Um, any other classes you guys offer? Uh, I, mean, we, I know that's a lot, but
2: we do. Um, we do. Uh, I want you to name every single one of them. Yes. I do that? Well, I'm just.
1: A- I, I if if anybody's like watching or listening to this, and they're they're interested in you know having yeah, you guys come out, we I mean, do, obviously they can go to your website. But we have
0: a, a, a advanced urban sniper course, which we just got post approved. We have a 16 hour uh, tactical medical integration class that we just got post approved. Uh, Red dot pistol instructor class. Um, which everybody's looking for those. Everybody's (laughs) making that transition now. Um, We have a high-risk warrant service, like planning and preparation course, um, active shooter class. But that's, you know, there's a lot of that out there. I would say probably the SWAT school, the SWAT update classes, the ARV classes are usually the ones that are the most popular are the ones that we get the most inquiry about. And it's because they're just
1: aren't a lot of them out there. Yeah. And
2: we have a big catalog. Yeah. It's
1: uh and I know we're talking a lot about California and we're talking about being California Post certified, but you I just want to clarify for everybody, you guys do go you guys go all over the country. All over the country. Not just bound to
0: California. We've been we've gone to other countries. George and I went to um Dubai and then went to Oman, Muscat Oman. Mm. They purchased a fleet of armored vehicles most of which were from Lenco, but there were other vendors that they bought for the entire country and they needed training. So Lenco said, call call these guys.
1: That's cool. Wow.
0: George has gone to Brazil and then through the sheriff's department. We've gone to Germany, Israel, South Korea, um, Canada several times. We have a very good, the county and and some agencies up in Canada very good working relationship so That's cool. a lot of times and then Teradyne is from Canada so now we're getting calls to go up to Canada because they're purchasing those armored vehicles and they want training nice so we'll we'll go anywhere most of our stuff happens in California because of the post approval sure but it is i would say if we're if we're doing 40 classes a year probably 30 of them are in California maybe and then another ten to fifteen, or anywhere in the
1: country. Nice. What uh, what's the debrief that you guys were debriefing here at the? We office?
0: did <clears throat> we did two debriefs this morning. One was <coughs> again because you uh, we try to we try to uh, tailor the class to the audience. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously a hostage rescue class. And the more you teach, which you guys, the more you teach, you get your kind of your system down of yeah. like how to keep the students engaged. Yeah. So we. It's a hostage rescue lecture, which is a very basic, like the fundamentals of hostage rescue, or at least how we approach it, but we'll bookend it with debriefs. Everybody Mm. loves a good debrief. So the one we did this morning was a call out that we had up in Lancaster, which started at the patrol level, um, raised a lot of questions about whether the patrol officers should have done the crisis entry. And you're going to get differences of opinion no matter who you ask. Were they right? Were they wrong? Maybe, maybe not. But if it if it creates conversation, that's the takeaway. It makes people think, if you were this person, would you have gone in and done this? Some say yes, some say no. And then ultimately, we get called, we go out there, we start working the problem, and then it it resolves the way it resolves. <clears throat> that was the morning. The the afternoon we did, it was a very recent call out we just had where it was a pursuit with the highway patrol. Uh, the suspect had taken his 17 month old son hostage uh, into a mobile home up in Lancaster. Uh, and that call out was, I think the, the, the takeaway from that was the challenge of a mobile home versus a regular house. Mm-hmm. And if people haven't dealt with, mobile home problems they're not that easy they're thin walls yeah. small space difficult breaching problem um, and then the length of the call out it yeah. went for about 30 hours i remember this and this was a now we are starting to tap out people just on fatigue mm-hmm. and this is a this was a big takeaway for us cuz we There's a fine line between um, you're not going to pull me off my spot. I'm staying and recognizing you need to be pulled off your spot because I don't care who you are. Fatigue is going to make your decision making more difficult. So after several hours, you know, we went out there at 11 o'clock at night. Now the sun has come up. Now the sun is going down again. We're still out there. And now it's like, if we're going to be out here all night again, <clears throat> we, we better start figuring this out. This is where phone calls are made to anybody that isn't already there. And the initial uh, at the initial call, everybody shows up. But this is where your team commanders and the people that are a little further up have to say, uh, hey, we don't need 45 people right now. Yeah, But if this goes long term, we may need you later. So go find a place to relax. Even if it's go back to the command post, lean your chair back in your truck, go to sleep Mm -hmm. because we may be tapping you in in a couple of hours because these guys are going to need to be relieved. Mm -hmm. Um, Phone calls get made to LAPD. Hey, uh, not sure what you guys have going on, but this is what we have going on. So we're going to need you to take the county while we're here because- It's happened several times. We get two call-outs at the same time. Yeah. Well, if one of them taps out the the whole team, somebody's got to go to that other call-out. So we have that relationship with them. So the debrief this afternoon to answer your question was a very extended hostage rescue problem, which ultimately ended a sniper-initiated assault. We made entry. The child, fortunately, was saved. Um, But it was a lot of unique challenges that we don't get them. I mean, we get hostage problems, not all the time, but regularly enough, but not all of them go that long, where it's, this is now another element we have to consider.
1: Yeah, plus, I mean, you're dealing with a baby too,
0: right? Yeah. Like, how long are you going to let that go before? And then on the flip side of that is, okay, um, <clears throat> we need to make sure that we're handling this correctly because it's a baby we're talking about. This is not an adult who has the decision-making power or at least even the capability of getting out of there if they want to this is a true hostage yeah like no way this person can make a decision or do anything on their own so we're gonna be extremely careful and strategically plan so that if something does have to happen we need this to go the right way
1: yeah i mean little things the little things of like eating and you know, drinking and eating for a 17 month old baby. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. It's a lot to think about. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I know you guys got to get going. Yeah. Um, you got, you got a lot going on. How can people find you guys if they want to, even if it's, have you guys come out for the, um, SWOT update class or anything? Uh, so the website integrated tactical
0: concepts.com Um, one of the guys that works with us, he teaches with us. He's here with me today or here, here with me this, uh, this trip. He is very good about keeping the calendar updated. Um, he identifies classes as closed versus open. So a lot of times if whatever agency just wants us out there and they want us to only train them, Mm -hmm. we're just going for them. Mm -hmm. Other agencies, for the purposes of trying to save a little bit of money and, you know, still get what they want, they might be a host agency and it'll be an open course. So a a certain PD is going to be the host agency and they're going to provide us what we need to put the training on and they're going to put in so many people. And then everything else is open to anybody else in the area. We'll go on, you know, we'll advertise it through Instagram. We'll advertise it on the website anything that's post approved has to get put on the post website because it becomes a course um, that post obviously advertises for their people. Mm -hmm. And then um, anything through just word of mouth, we have a, like a mass email blast that goes out to a lot of agencies in Southern California looking for training. Um, A lot of our training just comes from, we get people that just are like repeat clients, you know, they, They'll have us out. They like it, and then it becomes easy for them to instead of going out and doing all the research and trying to find the next new thing. Let's we'll just call these guys again because they can they can do what we want. But mm. um, the website's very easy to to navigate. There's a page on there where you can just reach out and send a. It's a request for anything, information, uh, any any up uh, any classes coming up, or if you just want us to contact you for just to find out what you have going on. A lot of times agencies will call us and they're just looking for, you know, uh, a quote to compare to other quotes because they're trying to get funding for a class yeah. or, you know, it's, um, but it's pretty easy to find us.
1: All right. We'll put all the the links and stuff in our description yeah. so they can easily um, have access to you
2: guys. Um, Rich, thanks for coming out, taking that risk of coming up to a room with with, uh, two dudes. Two random two, dudes. Two, two super hot dudes. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> it. Harmless. You
0: guys are after, harmless. Yeah,
1: that, after we just spent 20 minutes in the parking lot, which it happens to be super hot and yeah. humid here. So we we're all, you know, wet and sweaty. So that sure. made, it, made it a little bit more interesting. Made it a little bit more interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, dude, thank you. I appreciate yeah. your time, dude. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks. Maybe we'll try to hop into your class later today. And
0: yeah, we will be uh, this like afternoon that. and then uh, another one going tomorrow morning. And then I I think that's going to be... I don't know if we're doing one tomorrow afternoon. I got to look at the schedule. Are you going to
2: TAC Ops? Uh, East. You are. Okay. So George and I are both
0: going. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So right. um, we'll be doing, I think, the same three. I think Larry kind of likes the the combination of stuff, the HRT, the command and control, yeah, and, then, and then barricade. It kind of yeah. hits all the, everything people are looking for.
1: Yeah. Um. So we're going to. Well, that stuff is like so relevant and crucial in today's world yeah. in policing. I mean especially the command and control thing, P- agencies really got to got to step up on that.
0: I think uh, one of the things real quick, I just kind of popped into my head is the, the, the warrant services now are very much um, surrounding call out. Yeah. Well, surrounding call outs can go a lot of different directions. Yeah. And this is where your uh, command and control come in of like, we're going to execute this search warrant. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to pull up in the driveway and we're going to make a lot of announcements and we're going to hope this guy surrenders but
1: if he doesn't uh, now what are you going to do i was going to say we should call it a surround and hope he call, uh, uh, comes out and that that is truly what it is and
0: it's it's not like listen that is a service option for us also we'll use it when it's uh, appropriate but the command and control and that whole element is okay things didn't go the way we wanted them to go let's uh let's take a little tactical pause here sure. and figure out what the next move is and that's where you need that leadership to be like what what are we allowed to do now? So, um, I like it. And I think that's where I think the conference comes in where guys are coming in for the classes, but a lot of times we'll spend a lot of time outside the classroom after the class is over with and you get all those side conversations that happen. Those are inevitable. Yeah. No, they are. You know, you ask any questions and you get nothing. (coughs) Yep. And then then after the class, and then you roll up all your stuff and people, (laughs) yeah, you roll up all your stuff and you walk out in the hallway and there's like five guys waiting for you. And you're like, I, I asked if you had a question, I
1: listen, I didn't want to do it in front of anybody, yeah. which is cool. Cause at least guys are, they're being interactive. Totally. They're wanting to learn. And yeah, you know, so that I you just I take the time you talk
0: that. to them and yeah. you know, that that's, it's actually, you probably get more out of it because now it's one-on-one, but for sure. Inevitably that always,
1: that always happens. Yep. So yep. no doubt. Well, we highly encourage everybody to go check out your website and um, hire you guys. Go to your training. Appreciate it. We, we really enjoy you guys. Um, you know, whatever we can do to help, help you guys out to get your company out there. Let us know. And then make sure you guys go to Tactical Conference or SWAT Conference, sorry, org. Get signed up for these TacOps conferences. Uh, we've set up before there's three a year. Nashville, New York, and DC. Yes. So get signed up, you guys. And then of course go to Savage Group.com if you want to sign up for a class. You can host our class if you'd like. And uh, we will catch you guys on the next episode. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. See ya.